right into the word of God. So let's uh, do our customary confessions. Let's grab our Bibles. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I ain't mad at you. Go ahead. <laughs> I will have what it says I will have. Amen. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Go ahead and put your hands together. If you believe you're going to be fed. Amen. All right, so we have been, we haven't quite been in a series, but it's been a series. In other words, it hadn't been pre-planned, but based on where we've been, it's hard to move beyond. So I'm consistently going back over what we have covered. And so we started off with shaken faith. And so we talked about how your faith can actually be shaken, even though you're in an unshakable kingdom. And we use the picture, the mental picture of the snow globe, how the snow globe is shaken. But there are some things that are shaken up in there, but there are certain things that remain. And we're looking in our faith that the things that need to remain, we want them to remain, even though we're in a season of being shaken. And then we talked about, I hope you dance. And we talked about the scripture says that God will turn our dancing I mean, turn our mourning into dancing. And we talked about, I hope when that time comes that you have the courage to dance. Because you can have blow so hard that you just don't, you just give up. But I hope that you don't give up and that when the time comes that you dance when the time comes. And then we talked about reverse. And we talked, we even gave the mental picture of Uno, how God will reverse. And the scripture says that. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And so we are in the tear season, but we're looking at some point to get to the joy season. And then we talked about last week, forsaken, from Psalms 22, where the scripture says, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And so we process through that. But one of the, the things I can leave you with is even though both David and Jesus made that statement, they still said, my God. And so you can feel forsaken in the season of life that you've been in. But it's something, it's hard for the devil to get you to let go of your God. Even though you may want to, it's something that keeps you holding on. And that's going to leave me to where, or lead me to where I want to talk about today. And today's title is simply this, Almost. 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 Somebody say almost. almost. When your faith is shaken and 
you're hit with various things, many times you get to the place of almost. Now, as a human, it's nothing wrong with that. But I can say it this way. I almost gave up. I almost walked away. I almost threw in the towel. I almost backslid. I almost let go. I almost stopped giving. I almost stopped praying. I almost stopped worshiping. I almost. And this is very frustrating to the devil because his goal is to get us to stop forever. Quit forever. Throw in the towel forever. But I almost. Now, some of us have thrown in the towel. Some of us are still holding the towel. But sometimes, even the ones who've thrown in the towel, they find themselves picking it back up again. Not not even necessarily wanting to, but there's something in them that just won't let them quit all the way. I've been pastoring for 12 years, but I almost quit a few times. I've been married for 23 years, but she almost quit a few times. I've been working at my job for 26 years, but I almost walked away. But let, let me give you a definition of almost that'll help us as we move forward. Very nearly but not quite. It's the but not quite that frustrates the devil so much. I I was close to divorce court, but not quite. I was close to choosing Muslim instead of Christianity, but not quite. I was close to walking away, but not quite. I was close to picking up my addiction again, but not quite. And it's in the but not quite that we got to deal with. Because what is it that keeps us from going all the way? All right, let's 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 look at Psalm 73 too. I'm going to lift this out of its context for a little uh, bit. Because I don't want to go into the full of chapter 73. I'm going to come back and pick up chapter 73. So I'm going to lift it out of its context and then we're going to go somewhere else. So let's look at Psalm 73, 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. All right, and so we often talk about the goodness of God. And here it says, truly God is good, which means it is factual. It's factual until you don't experience the goodness you want to experience. And so even though it's factual, it makes it harder to talk about goodness when you're not in a good season. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? God, if you're so good. Now, in our humanity, sometimes we just got to be honest. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves the question, Where is your goodness right now? And so David is saying, truly God is good to Israel. But then he makes a statement in verse 
2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Everybody else is talking about his goodness, but let me be, let me talk about me for a second. As for me, I almost slipped. Because it didn't seem like how good he was to them, he was being that good to me. And I couldn't really talk about it in the church setting because I didn't want people looking at me funny. But but I don't always experience the same goodness as everybody else. So let me be honest. As for me, I almost slipped. As for me, I almost walked away. As for me, I almost let this thing go because I know mentally that you're good. But right now I can't find the goodness for me. Now, 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 you can testify for you, but I'm talking about for me in my situation, I, I almost slipped. Let's, let's look at, I, I have it in the English Standard Version. I want to give it in another version, uh, put this same verse up, and it'll be in another version. I'll read it for myself. It says, see, it says this, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. This would read different if it says, but as for me, I lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was gone. The thing that makes it different is he added the word almost. See, it's not about what you do in the end. It's, excuse me, it's not about what you do in the moment. It's about how you are in the end. Do you know when uh, a husband and wife, when they celebrate 60-year anniversary, do you know everybody talks about how beautiful it is? But do you know that all the time in those 60 years, everything wasn't good? But they're celebrating where they are at the end. And so even though you almost quit now, I just need you to make it till the end. I just need you to have enough strength to make it till the end. And it's okay. Listen, I won't tell nobody else. It's okay for us to talk amongst ourselves. I almost. Let me tell you something that all happened to me. Almost. It was a little bit more than almost. And I, I ain't talking about happened six months ago. I'm talking about happened this week, this past week. So I was having a, a bad moment. I had come off of work and it just, just, just feeling kind of yucky. And just so happened that I was on Oakwood taking my son and my daughter to the Ball State basketball camp and getting ready to cross McGalliard. And there was a lady sitting in front of me, and she was just sitting in front of me, and the light had went green. Now, we're crossing McGalliard, so it's not going to stay green very long. And so about 30 seconds, almost a minute, she ain't moving. So I hit my horn. She rolled her window down and stuck her middle finger up at me. Now, I wasn't the one in the wrong. She was the one in the wrong, and I blew my horn. Now, I didn't blow it politely. You know, there's different type of blows. I didn't quite blow it politely, but you're about to mess up. So I gave her a nice, gentle reminder, you need to go, but she didn't like it. But I almost forgot what I was doing. I chased her for a couple blocks before I realized I'm supposed to be taking 
my kids somewhere. I for, almost forgot I was a pastor. I wanted to knock on her window and say, who you sticking that finger up at? I almost. I almost ended up in the star press. Almost. Yeah. Sometimes our humanity gets the best of us in the moment. I almost said some words that I don't say on Sunday morning. It doesn't make me a bad person. It makes me human. But here's the thing. The devil wanted me to go further than what I went. I went far enough that I still had to repent and ask God to help me. Because, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you. When I tell you stories in church, I tell you the sanitized version. You don't get the full, you know, you don't get the full. You get the radio edit. I still had to repent, but it could have been worse than what it was because sometimes, somebody said it this way, said pressure bust pipes. And you can get in so much pressure, there's a whole lot of stuff that you almost done. But here's the thing, I serve a gracious God. I serve a merciful God. I serve a forgiving God that if I would just get back up and swing again, if I would dust myself off and try again, it's not what happens in the moment, it's how I end up in the end. Alright, let's let's move a little further. We're going to go to another scripture. I'm going to try to Pack this together. Psalms 3, 1 through 8. This is an entire chapter, but it's powerful. Now, actually, before you read, let me give you some, some backdrop to this. So this is David, King David. David has come through all the trials that he's had. He's come through being the shepherd boy. He's coming through Goliath. He's coming through Saul. He's actually been in the kingdom for a while, ruling as king. But then his son, Absalom, has uh, he has masterminded a coup and he's getting ready to take over the kingdom. And here is David being displaced from his own throne that he worked so hard to get to. And there's things that happened in David's life that led to this. But at the end of the day, he was being pushed out of a place that he should be in. So he was not in a happy time. This is a very stressful time. One, one thing that's interesting, it's, it's one thing to deal with stuff when you're young. But the older you get, you look for rest. I, I, I done done this, that, and, and the third. So I'm 40, almost 50. I want to rest. But guess what? Life don't care that you want to rest. Yeah. Life comes no matter what age you are, and sometimes you could be 65, expecting to have your golden years, and life throws you a crisis that is just hard to deal with. And so sometimes those things happen. So here's David in a crisis of his life that he shouldn't have to go through. Let's look at verse 1. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Now, this is David who should be able to relax but now my foes are rising up. Now, we've, we've been talking about this in these uh, sermons we've been talking about. Yes, we have literal enemies that are flesh and blood. But that's not our major enemies. 
So in David's case, it was actually literally his own son, his own flesh and blood that was causing him trouble. But for us, it's demonic spirits. The problem with our fight is we can't see what we're fighting. And what we're fighting doesn't fight fair. See, it's one thing to get mad at somebody who puts something uh, about you on Facebook. I can look at it. I can go back and forth in the comments, and we can we can duke it out. But it's hard to fight a devil I can't see Amen. that's throwing unfair things that don't seem to line up with all I've given, all I've done. It, I can't hardly fix this. I don't understand this. And one thing that I told a friend of mine, it's not. And I'm talking about me personally. It's not the fact that I have to fight the enemy. I understand that. My problem is I have to fight him on all fronts at the same time. I don't like fighting him at work and then come have to fight him at home. And then got to fight him at church. Then I got to fight him on my car. Let me tell you just a few things that have been happening to me. So, so uh, I was doing something at my house and I was trying to put some trash in the trash can to take it out. And so I opened up the trash lid. The trash lid gently touched one of our outside lights. And next thing you know, the outside light is knocked down and it's hanging. I'm like, all I'm trying to do is just get the trash out. And now all of a sudden I got a light hanging. And then I get into my car and then it tells me that one of my tires, the sensor, it's bad. And just just little stuff here and there, this happening, that happened. It's just little stuff that irritates you. And Song of Solomon said, it's like the small foxes that destroy the vine. It's the little stuff. I, I, I go and I grab something off of the shelf because it says buy one, get one free. But when I get up to the counter, they say the sticker was in the wrong place and it's really not buy one, get one free. The only reason why I picked it up is because what I saw is the little stuff that can throw you over the edge. Yeah. And so how many are these things that are rising up against me and I've been preaching, I've been prophesying, I've been praying, and stuff keep on popping up. Let me tell you what it's really like. It's like whack-a-mole. You hit one thing and another thing pops up. You hit another thing and another thing pops up. And let's just be honest, it has a way of wearing you out. Scripturally, it talks about how Satan wants to wear out the patience of the saints. And guess what? Some stuff will get on your her holy nerve. All kinds of, I'm talking about the big stuff, the small stuff, everything in between. You ever had a, just had a taste for something and you go to the restaurant and that's the one day they don't cook it right. That's the one day out back is just messed up and everything's wrong. It's just, many times that is demonic influence. And it's not because you've done something wrong. It's all the stuff you've done right. And the devil is just trying to pick at you. He's trying to buffalo you. He's trying to bully you. And let's be honest, sometimes he's doing a darn good job at it. So let's read some more. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. Now, here's, here's, here's the real thing here. So... Many are saying, and of course, it was real people for him. For us, it's demonic spirits. So what are the demonic spirits really after? They're after our soul. Not just our soul's salvation, which, of course, if, if, if he can take that from us, he will. But really, the soul is the will, the mind, the emotions. It's, it's, it's our intellect. He's after our mind. 
The Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so the more our minds are renewed, the more we can live this Christian life. So really, the devil is after our minds. And some of the stuff he throws at us, he says there's no way their mind won't snap after this. There's no way they can be thinking right after this. The whole goal is I've been setting all this up because I really want their mind. And I'm here to let you know, sometimes the pressure is so great, your mind is stressed. Your mind is stretched. Your mind is poor. And it is a demonic sign. I'm not saying all mental health battles are demonic, but I am saying that many of the challenge that we face is trying to get us to the place where we lose our mind. And like I said, sometimes it, it's close. Sometimes it's close. So, sometimes it's close. Let me tell you something. When she stuck that finger up, uh, my mind almost went. Almost lost it. And, and sometimes, let's be honest, we do lose it. So what can we learn from the process? Let's look at what David says next in verse 3. Oh, actually, I'm putting it up in the NIV, so read that in the NIV. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Mm, so you go to Deliverance Temple, and now these demonic forces are trying to convince you, I don't care how long you've been a DT, you're not going to be delivered. They might get delivered, they might get delivered, the pastor might get delivered, but you ain't going to get delivered. And sometimes it's easy to believe it when you look at the results that you get. And I ain't just talking about y'all. Sometimes as the pastor, I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? It don't look like I'm going to get delivered either. I passed the deliverance temple, and I can't get delivered. It's, it's, it's a mental battle, all right? Let's look at verse 3. But you, oh Lord. Lord hold, hold on. What was that first word? But you. Mm, the first, just the first word. But. But. All right, read. But you, O oh Lord. All right, so but you, since he's talking about God, but you, O oh Lord, that reminds me of a but God. Yeah, see, the reason why I almost is because I had a but God in the middle of the pressure. Yeah, I almost lost my mind, but God. I almost backslid, but God. I almost folded. But God. See, the reason why it's only an almost is because there's a but God somewhere. I don't know when it comes. I don't know how it comes. But I'm so grateful for but God. The reason why I've been married as long as I've been married, but God. The reason why I've been on my job as long as I've been on my job, but God. The reason why I've been pastoring as long as I've been pastoring, but God. The reason why I still have my mind, but God, but you, let's read what he says. Mm, 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 mm. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I, I, I've got to take some time to explain this. He said, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. So at a certain point in the pressure, there comes a shield from God. And it says this, it says, you become my 
glory. Now, this is interesting because way back in the Garden of Eden, we see that the Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. And the reason why they were naked and not ashamed, they had no idea they were naked because they were wearing the glory of the Lord. It wasn't until sin entered till they realized they were naked because they lost the glory. So this scripture says that his glory shows up. And what happens in the glory is even though I'm naked behind the glory. Let, let, let me explain this. Even though the situation hasn't changed. Even though the grief hasn't changed. Even though the marriage hasn't changed. Even though the money hasn't changed and I'm naked and I'm vulnerable and I'm almost ready to turn it over and turn it loose. His glory shows up and it shields me and I start doing what I didn't think I can do. I start praising when I didn't think I could praise. I start going to church when I didn't think I could go to church. I start praying when I didn't think I could pray because his glory showed up. And as long as his glory will show up, it'll shield me from some stuff. In other words, devil, you can only do so much. You can only go so far. You can only press so much. And then my glory will show up. And then he says this, and the lifter of my head. When I thought about this, I thought about a puppeteer. And when you have a puppeteer, especially the ones where you can see the strings, you'll notice that the head can be bowed down and they have no control. The puppet has no control that the head is bowed down. But the puppeteer can pull the right string and make the head go up. There's some stuff in my life that's made my head go down. I'm not trying to lose faith. I'm just being honest. I can't lift my head up. It's too hard. But guess what? When God pulls the string, I'll lift my head up. And when the devil thought I was down for the count, God will lift my head up. When the devil thought it was over, God will lift my head up. And when my head lifts up, I say, I almost lost it. I almost quit, but something pulled me up. Something lifted me up, and it was the glory of the Lord. Come on, give God a praise right now. And as I'm talking to you, and let me tell you there in TV land, as I'm talking to you, I'm talking by faith. Because my head's not lifted up yet. My head is still heavy right now. But I got hope that at some point, the God that I serve is going to lift my head up. I don't know when, I don't know how. And I'm not trying to figure it out anymore. But God, if you can do it, do it for me. That's why I like the song. He said, Lord, do it for me. I'm going to be selfish right now. I'm going through so much. If you don't step in and pull my head up, I'm not going to make it. But God, I'm going to give you another chance to lift my head up. And I promise if you do it, I'll testify that you're still a deliverer. You're still a way maker. I'm not there yet, but if you get me there, I promise I'll tell the world. Let's look. Let's look at verse 4. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. Now, all this time I've been preaching from shaking faith to now, 
in every song that we talked about, it says, I cry aloud. This is quite interesting to me because we know God is what, what they say he is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. So since you know, why do I got to cry out loud to you? Now, this is, the, let me put it in something you can understand. This is what sometimes irritates wives with husbands. You saw the trash like I saw the trash. Why do I got to tell you to grab the trash? This what irritates moms and dads with children. You saw it. Why, it, why do I have to tell you? But let's, let's flip it. Why is it that I got to cry out to you, God? You know what I'm going through. If you're so all-knowing, you know what I'm really going through. Why is it that I got to cry out to you? Let's, let, let's read. I, I'm going to give us something about to answer that. But let's read some more. Verse 5. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Now, I'm going to add something. My mom used to say it years ago when I was growing up that I never understood till I got older. She said, some stuff will send you straight to bed. There's some stuff that comes and you don't have no, you don't have no recourse just to lay down, just to sleep. So, so here's the thing. I'm going to put the two together. So, when you are in states like that, it's a state of helplessness. But the helplessness that the devil is sending, God is not sending the helplessness, it's the devil doing it. But the helplessness is to lead you to hopelessness. That is the goal in the mind of the enemy. I'm going to take you from the state of helpless to hopeless. But it's something about when you're helpless that you cry out to the Lord in your helplessness. And it is that cry that keeps you from transitioning from helplessness to hopelessness. And let me be honest with us as humans. If we could do it ourselves, we would do it. If we could do it another way. In other words, if I could do it without the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to love everybody. I don't want to have joy and peace. And you know, the fruit I don't like the most is the one called long-suffering. I can't stand that fruit. So if it was up to me, I would bypass all the processes. If it was up to me, I would push buttons and, and fix stuff with buttons. I would snap my finger. But it's something about the helplessness that makes you know I need God in my life. God, I may be frustrated with you, but I'm so helpless, I don't think I can do it without you. I, I'm so broken that I don't have anything else to turn to. See, I tried Mad Dog 2020. I tried Southern Comfort. I tried Bacardi 151. It never left me better than it found me. So I would go back to that, but there's nothing in it. So God, you are all I got. But it's something about that helplessness that says it might be a possibility. I'm crying out to the only one who could do something. Now, if I dial 911 
And my son Draylon answered the phone and said, what do you need? I'm going to be bothered with that. <laughs> I love him, but I don't trust he can fix this emergency. And here's the thing. When you get in a real crisis, you are tempted to try everything, but you realize it's only one thing that can help me out. So here I am, and I'm crying out to you. Mother Woods would say, Lord, I'm out here on your word. God, I'm trusting your word because your word is all I got. If something else would fix it, I'll be gone. If, if, if Devin could have found another man to love her like I love her, she might have left a long time ago. But, but there's a helplessness to say, I think I'm stuck with him, so we got to make this thing work. Well, God, you say you're married even to the backslider. So I don't understand what you're doing in my life, but God, I'm trusting you somehow. I'm not trusting you because I'm full of faith. I'm trusting you because you're all I got left. But it's people like that, if they ever come out on the other side, you can't stop those people. You can't stop them from testifying. You, you can't stop them from praising God. You can't tell them to be quiet. I've been through too much to sit down on my praise. And in my worst moment, he showed up. And so God, if you show up, I promise you, I won't be mediocre another day in my life. Now, the pandemic was supposed to shake mediocrity out of Christianity. And we're back mediocre as can be. But I'm telling you for the stuff that we are dealing with in this day and age, you need God. You're going to have to have God. You're going to have to try God. You're going to have to give it all you got. And guess what? If it don't work, at least you gave it y'all. But I got a sneaky suspicion it's going to work. I got a sneaky suspicion it's going to work. But am I 100% positive? No. Well, pastor, you the pastor, I know, but we've been through hell. So I'm not 100% positive. But 95% is better than nothing. God, I'm giving you another chance to show up. You couldn't have me preach all these years and it all be a lie. You got to be in here somewhere. So I'm giving it another chance. I'm believing the best way I know how. And God, if you show up, I promise you I'll tell the world about it. Let's let's continue to read a little more. Let's look at verse 6. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now, God, if you show up, the last thing I'm going to do is worry about folk. Well, well, they talking about me. No, I ain't worrying about nobody talking about me. Well, I don't like his preaching. Well, you can find another church. I don't care who don't like me. God, if you bring me out this, they can say what they want. They can do what they want. I know if you show up for me in this, God, I promise you that there's not a person in this world that can make me back up. Amen. All right, let's, let's continue. Let's look at verse 7. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. I like this kind of talk. 
Now that's what I wanted to do to the lady who gave me the finger, but God, God held me back. But God, if you can't slap my enemies, because I can't find my enemies. They're, 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 they're demonic and I can't see them. I wish they would show their ugly face. But God, I need you to pull out a Bernie Mac hand and slap the taste out of some of these devils that's trying to bog me down. Because I'm not going to cry forever. I'm not going to hurt forever. I'm not going to be sick forever. I'm not going to be failing forever. But God, if you step in and do what you need to do. You can make a way for me. Let's let's move on. Let's look at uh, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people, All right, Selah. We're going to read that in the New International Version. Put that up. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. All right. If you come to Deliverance Temple because you think Pastor Andre can deliver you, you're looking in the wrong place. I'm trying to prove to you we are in the boat together. At least we are together. At least we're not we're not divided. We are together. But I can't deliver you because if I could, I'd have done it a long time ago. I'd have delivered myself and delivered you too. But we all are now looking to the Lord. But the Bible says, "From the Lord comes deliverance." So here's the thing: when it does happen, nobody can take credit. We can't give credit to the denomination. You can't give credit. Well, it's my pastor. Don't you don't you put that lie in your mouth. It's not your pastor. It is the Lord's doing. If we get out of this, nobody can get credit but God. And that's why I'm back to a but God. I'm not going to praise anybody but God. I'm not going to give credit to anybody but God. I'm not going to worship anybody but God. I don't care if it's the Pope, the Cardinal, the Bishop. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the TV preacher. I don't care who you are. God is going to get the credit for this. All right. Let's, 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 let's go back to Psalm 73. We're going to pick back up. We started in 73 and I said I was going to lift something out of context and come back to it, coming back to it now. As we start to wrap up, start to wrap up. I didn't say I'm wrapping up, start to wrap up. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Now listen to what, what he says. Who, if you can't pray nothing else, this is the prayer you can pray. Deliverance Temple members, tell God, don't forget your suffering people forever. Because right now it feels like we've been forgotten. But, but God, don't forget us forever. Don't leave us on the backside of the desert forever. Don't forget about us forever. So God, if you can see it in your merciful sovereign hand to come through for us, God, I'm like donkey in Shrek. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Now normally, I'm, I'm not one of the people that like to say pick me. I'm a humble person. I like to let other folk go first. But let me tell you something. We've been in so much hell. I'm saying, God, pick me. If you want to do something for somebody, God, pick me. I, I need it. Don't forget me forever, God. Please don't forget me forever. Let's look at verse 20. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Now, I just told you it's okay to be selfish and say don't forget me, but this proves it's really not about you and it's not about me. It's about his covenant. There's some stuff that he said that he can't go back on. 
So really, it's not him doing it for Deliverance Temple, but it's doing it for the sake of his word. Because either his word is true or it ain't. I know that's not good grammar, but either it's true or it ain't. So there's some stuff God going to do, not because I cried out, not because I preached it, but because of his covenant promise to his people. One of his covenant promises is that the weapon will be formed, but no weapon formed shall be able to prosper. Well, it feel like some of them weapons is prospering, Papa. Papa, some of these weapons feel like they prosper, but God is saying, you got to trust me long enough to see the end. And so God, since you promised it, I'm going to hold on to your promise because it's not really about me. It's about you. And there's some devils that are looking at us, waiting for us to fold. And God, you got to do it for sake of your word. Even Moses said it to God. He said, I need you to show up because they're going to say you couldn't do it. God, show up for us because the devil's going to say you couldn't do it. But God, do it for your word. Don't do it for me. Do it for your word. Let's look at verse 21. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Oh, let me stop right there. Don't let us who are already brokenhearted be humiliated again. In other words, there comes a time, God, I can't take no more. So, so I'm trusting you right now, but please don't let us go through this again. It's okay sometimes to tell God how you feel. God, please. I know we're supposed to be faithful people. You ain't got to beg God. I know all that. But sometimes you get in the please, baby, please, Lord, please don't let me go through this again. I don't know how much more we can take. So God, God, please. And it's okay because David said the same thing. He, he said, please don't let us be humiliated again because we're already downtrodden. Read. And it's the same verse. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. But instead, God, let us who are broken, give us a reason to praise again. Give us a reason to shout again. Give us a reason to dance again. Give us a reason to hope again. God, I'm asking you to do it. All right, let's, let's, let's read verse 22. And once again, like the song, Lord, do it for me. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Now, twice we've seen this word arise. Now, you remember on Easter Sunday as we were closing the kingdom series, we talked about kingdom arise. And we talked about how the seed has to lose first before it springs up and arise. And so David is calling out to God, I need you to arise. I need you to show up. But since we talk about us being the kingdom, where he will arise is in us. And so what I want you to begin to look for, I can't promise you the wind, but something's going to happen inside of you. Some stuff going to arise in you that you didn't know was there. That, that, that's something that's going to wake up in you and resurrect in you that the devil thought he squashed it out of you, but he messed around and left the seed. 
And as long as the seed is still there, if the seed gets watered, it will arise. There's some joy. It may not be on the surface. It may be way down in the deeps. But I need some joy to rise when I need it to rise. There's some peace. Even though I'm confused from here down to here, there's some peace somewhere. And God let that peace arise. There is whatever you can throw out there. There's some stuff in you that may seem dormant now, but God's going to wake it up in you. You know what it's called in theological terms? It's called revival. Normally, revival don't come to places that's already revived. Revival comes to dry places. Revival comes to stony places. Revival comes to broken places. And guess what? Whatever adjective you can use, we are in it and been in it for a while and we're tired of it. But if God arise inside of us, can't nobody get the credit, but this is the Lord's doing. God showed up. God moved. God made a way. It was Jehovah Jireh. It was Jehovah Nissi. It was Yeshua. It was El Shaddai. It was Adonai. Whatever you want to call, he showed up and he showed out in our lives. So God, I'm just waiting for you to arrive. But another scripture says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. So my arise may just look like a pinky ray. Say, I, I, I can't really praise right now, but I can raise my pinky. Well, just raise your pinky. Because little by little. And somebody said little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. And I'm throwing deliverance temple into the master's hand. We don't have a whole lot left, but the little we got left, we're putting it in your hand, God. And God, if you can make a two-piece fish dinner, if you can feed 5,000, you can do something with deliverance temple in the season that we're going through. And God, we're going to put ourselves in your hands. I understand the old saints that said, hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. All right. I, I, I do want to say something because I, I only got one more verse. I do want to say something at verse 22 again. The back of verse 22 says this. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Really, God, you like I said, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for all these foolish demons that keep telling us that you can't deliver. That you can't turn a thing around. That you can't salvage a bad situation. It, it, and it got me thinking it too sometimes. But, but I'm like what Job said to his wife when his wife said, you should just curse God and die. Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Yes, I'm going through something, but I can't get that foolish to just let go of you and to curse you and walk away. So God, at the end of the day, I need you to make a fool out of the fool that's trying to get me to curse you. The devil that keeps trying to tell me to give up. The devil that keeps trying to make me almost. I need you to show that fool who is boss. Yeah. Last verse. Verse 23. 
Don't overlook what your enemies have said or their growing uproar. Here's another good prayer. God, don't overlook what the devil been doing. Don't, don't over, overlook what them demons been doing. Don't overlook. Not, it's not that we don't sometimes have stuff to do with it. We're like if we get back in addiction where there's choices we make. But sometimes it, it's, it's the devil. You know, it would be easy to live saved when we never got tempted. So even though we may fall to the temptation and we shouldn't, it is the devil who sets it out there. So God deal with the enemy that keeps trying to get in our face. And when you do it, we'll give you all the glory. I'm saying the same thing over because I just want to put it in. I, I promise you, I don't know all the answers, but I promise you, I promise you I'll give God the glory. And why would you give God the glory, Pastor Andre? Because I already told you I don't know the answers. So if the answers show up, I'm going to say this had to be God. God, you had to have done it. I promise you I won't get the big head and say, well, you know, since I read through the Bible every year and I fasted and prayed, listen, the devil is a lie. I ain't got nothing to do with it. God, if you make a way out of no way, I'm going to get up on the mountaintops and say, God, it was you that did it. God, it was you that salvaged the situation. God, it was you that made the way. All right, here's the final thing because I haven't given us any points. Here's the point. The major point of the message, here it is. God is the only one he, who can turn our almost into all right. You know, when somebody asks you, how you doing? They expect you to say all right. Well, I can't lie to you. I'm not all right. Not now. Now I'm at almost. I'm not just talking about me because I don't want y'all to think, I can't follow him. He, he look like he confused. No, I'm speaking for all of us. So... So, no, I, I'm not all right. And here's the thing. A lot of times people ask you that, they don't really want to know. Because if you really stop them and tell them, oh, you know, I, 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 I got to get these, these chicken wings on sale. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> they don't really, really want to know. So sometimes you tell people what they want to hear. But the truth of the matter is I'm not all right right now. But God is the only one who can take my almost. And turn it into all right. Let's let's read. But we need to ask. Here's this. And anticipate him to arise. God, I, if you got up out the ground, I need you to get up in this situation. If you got up with all power in your hand, I need you to get up. In this situation. So I'm going to ask you. But at some point I'm going to shift from asking. To anticipating. And so my. My movements are going to be different. Because I'm going to be moving with. Anticipation. I'm going to show up here one day. With some anticipation. In other words. I've been sitting in the back for a while. I might start moving up. Because I'm anticipating. I. I've been coming on Sunday, but I might start showing up on Wednesday too because I'm anticipating. I might take my lunch break at work and bring my Bible and open up and not eat because I'm anticipating. When you are anticipating, you make some changes. 
you, you take a woman who knows and thinks they're going to get married. They start looking for a dress to get into, and they start working on a diet plan to fit that dress. Yes. They may be a 16, and they'll pick out a 12, and they'll try to work to it because they're anticipating. I don't want your cheesecake because I'm anticipating. I, 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 I don't want your, your, your Coke or even your Diet Coke. Give me water and lemon because I'm anticipating. Well, baby, when you start anticipating, there's some stuff that changed. You start taking off some stuff. You start letting go of some stuff because I'm anticipating. What are you anticipating? I'm anticipating that he's going to arise even in this. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Put it back up there. Somebody shout, almost. Almost. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, life has pushed us to some almost. But because so many of us are still in this building and are logging in and tuning in, we are saying, God, we are anticipating you switching the almost to arising in a way that only you get the glory and get the credit. So, God, we are asking you to do what only you can do. And we won't stop asking. And we won't stop anticipating. We won't just preach one message and move on. God, we are asking and asking. We're anticipating and anticipating. And every demon that is watching, expecting us to fold, looking for us to run out of gas and to peter out and to backslide and to curse God and die, just keep watching us. We're not made to lose. We're not made to quit. We're not made to fold. We're made to anticipate. And that's what we shall do. And for that, God, we give you praise. We love you. And we believe it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say... Amen and amen.